welcome to the Data Chief. The Data Chief is a podcast for data and analytics leaders to share their personal stories and insights on technology, culture, and leadership. In this episode of The Data Chief, hosts Cindy Hausen and Sunny Rivera interview Simothy Thiagarajan, the VP of Business Strategy and Analytics for the Milwaukee Bucks and Pfizer Forum. Sumathy discusses being a data leader in professional sports, building a data team from the ground up, and leveraging insights and continually providing the best fan experience. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for anyone to analyze your company's data with search and AI. Business people at companies like Verizon, CVS, Amazon, Afterpay, OpenTable, and T-Mobile use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can learn more at ThoughtSpot.com. Simothy, welcome to the Data Chief. Thank you so much for having me. Now, given that you are the head of data for the Milwaukee Bucks, can I assume you're joining us from Milwaukee? Yes, I'm joining you from vibrant downtown Milwaukee in our offices. I'm about walking distance from Pfizer Forum, which is our arena, and the Deer District, which is about 30 acres of uh, an entertainment hub in the city, in the center of the city. So, yes, joining you from beautiful Milwaukee. I know it's beautiful. As you know, I've been there so many times, yes. but only in the dead of winter. Go figure. You got to come when it's warmer. It's a totally different city. Oh, I'd love to. Well, well, my colleague Sonny and I are super excited to have you on the show. He's also more of a basketball fan. We are both data fans, so we really wanted to host you together. Let's start out by tell us a little bit about your new role at the Bucks, and I understand it's a joint role also with Fiserv. Yes. So uh, it's with Fiserv Forum, the arena, and Milwaukee Bucks. I jointly oversee kind of the head of data for not only the arena, but also the surrounding properties that the, the Bucks and Pfizer Forum own together. And so my role, it's an inaugural role at the Bucks. It's been here for about, been in this role for about a little over a year and a half. As the vice president of business strategy and analytics, my role is to lead a team that uses data and analytics to really help optimize where this, the company spends its resources and sales uh, enablement activities and also driving operational excellence. So really to use data to drive our actionable insights around sales and operations. Yeah, which many teams are doing that. I think what is distinct is your background though, being new to sports. So what made you make the leap at this point in your career to go from healthcare to sports? Yeah, so I had a, a, a long career in healthcare and then a brief stint in higher ed, I was at Marquette University. And then now this is my third industry in sports and live entertainment. I would say a couple of things. One is just really a curiosity and like a general love for learning. Uh, I've been a sports fan in my life, right? I was a first-gen immigrant family that moved here. We learned right away. I think my dad and I learned right away that sports was a great way to connect with people. But it was also this great opportunity where you saw the power and impact of sports. So Growing up was always a sports fan, never, ever thought I'd work in it or I have an opportunity and wasn't even necessarily looking. It was a really funny story. I was at Marquette University doing lots of great projects. And then what happened was I saw this role pop up on LinkedIn where they were looking for a data leader um, to help drive business revenue in a, a sports team, an NBA team. 
And I remember talking to my husband and being like, wouldn't that be funny if I applied? Because I just thought it was so off the wall crazy. And he was like, yeah, you should apply. What's the big deal? Like, give it a shot. And I was like, well, yeah, why Why don't I try that? That'd be fun, right? I've, I've transferred, I've changed industries a few times. I've lived all over the country. So I was like, why not? This might be a fun thing to just try at the, at the very least. And it was fascinating. I put it in the application and then I had a um, call with our executive vice president. I had coffee with her, which is already different than any of the other uh, interview processes I'd been through at that point. And I was hooked. I was like, oh, wow, like the capacity to use data to drive business is one, very transferable across industries, right? You tend to talk about different domains. So I think I've really loved having a data career specifically for that reason. And then two, it's just exciting because I found the work here to be very uh, joyful. I found that my applications of data in healthcare and academics was really meaningful, but to have a joyful application of the work has been really, really fun. Yes. And so I love that you're describing it as joyful because I do talk to many CDAOs who are not in a joyful spot. So I do think if you can combine (laughs) your joy of sports and your passion for data, that is great. But take us back now to when you first joined, was there already a team in place or did you have to start this from the ground up? It's a great question. So when we, when I joined, there was a small team um, that was led at a senior director level. And what I say is that it didn't have a proper home. It was um, under IT for a little bit. It was under finance for a little bit. And it was largely a, a reporting team. It was really about being service oriented. And what we did when, when I came into this role, one of the main reasons this role was really attractive to me is they repositioned the analytics team to be under business operations. So now I was part of a revenue management portfolio. So it was sales, marketing, analytics, and tech all on, you know, as peer set with each other to drive business operations. So one, it was this role immediately was positioned better. Two, uh, what, what I learned as well is that if you win a championship, which the Bucks did, um, you get a ring if you were in the front office. So I have great timing. I waited until after they won to join the team. So <laughs> never got a ring. But what happened was there were four uh, gentlemen in the team beforehand. And once they got their ring, three of them left for different pastures around the country, which again, makes a ton of sense. It was really exciting for them. So you can imagine I came into this role, not knowing the the company, not knowing the industry. And I was down to just me and one other uh, gentleman who stayed on the team at the time and was trying to figure everything out from scratch, position differently, and really just charge from the get-go of we've brought you in, now make a change. And one of the key things I was really focused on from the get-go was taking us out of a support uh, function and really positioning us as a thought partner, strategic thought partners that is a hub and spoke model where we partner with every line of business to really push them forward. So that's been the the goal and the challenge. And in a year and a half, we've done, we've done a lot um, and more to come for sure. Yeah, that is a lot in a fast in a fast time. And as I know, a number of CDAOs are on the move Research from Randy Bean says they only last like two and a two point four years on average. We actually think it's gotten faster recently. The reporting lines matter. Yes. So, did you make that reporting line change uh, uh, contingent on your accepting the role, or was that something they were already thinking of? It was already in place, but that was a criteria for me when I was looking for roles. So I was very clear that I wanted to be, if I was going to come in in a head of data role, 
uh, no longer wanting to be kind of relegated to more of a reporting function or kind of buried within the organization. It was really important to me to be on par with revenue management because I do think analytics can sometimes be seen as just a cost center and worked really hard to see it not as a cost center, but actually one that drives revenue, sometimes brand new revenue. And I'd love to talk about that, as well as optimizing operations to the standpoint of where we're cost savings. So that was a real criteria for me. I will say, again, credit to the Bucks when I got here, um, just for them to take it even one step further. Uh, four weeks in, they were like, you should be on the executive team because if we say we care about data, it makes sense for you to be at the table, right? So I also, I will say, got lucky in that I'm working in an organization that really does value and care about data and, and again, puts their money where their mouth's at. Yeah, that's great. And I know Sunny is dying to ask you a little bit more from the sports industry perspective. Please. <laughs> so Sumathi, it's great to talk to you. I'm excited about this. You know, when um, we think about sports, we often think about Moneyball and analytics. Yes. Um, and I know you work in the back office. We've seen things in the on the court or on the field where uh, analytics has changed the way the game is played. Do you see that sort of thing kind of happening in the back office? And if so, how? Absolutely. So in, in the short time that I've been here, I've again just seen how every single MBA team has a strategy and analytics team in the back office, right? Or in the front office, right? So they're they're really looking at how can we use analytics, not just on the court, but off the court. Um, and so it has become a stapled function within all of these teams. I see it across the NFL. I see it in the MLB. So these teams are here to stay and they're actually here to grow. And I think increasingly we see more and more interest from ownership groups where like, hey, tell us more about your data tech stack. Tell us more about how you have data as an asset within your organization, not just on the on the court side, but really very much on the business side. And I think I heard you say before that you guys are, you know, collaborating, you're working with the NBA. Yes. Can you tell us a little bit about that? Yeah, I love this mantra by the NBA, which I was told within like the first week of me joining, right? We compete on the court, we collaborate off the court. And so maybe it's also because we all work in support of a team. There is always an openness to, you could pick up the phone and call anybody. You can email anybody in sports and say, Hey, I have a question about this. Can we talk about it? And there is 100% willingness to be like, yeah, let's let us tell you what we've done. And I think part of it is the growing nature of analytics within the sports business side of things where there is an interest to share, to create some best practices and to really scale. So, you know, the NBA as a league as whole also collects data, right? And we share data with the NBA. So it's the collaboration across the league side as well as the individual team side to collectively work to advance the sport. So on the team side and in the back office side, what do you see as the most significant challenges that the you know, Milwaukee Bucks face and, and how are you addressing those? Yeah, so from the data side, I think there's two pieces and I don't know that the Bucks are unique in this. I think this is true of sports in general, at least in my short tenure that I've seen in the conversations that I've had. One is, you know, at the end of the day, we serve the fans, right? So the more we know about the fans, the more personalized we can get, the more we can really cater to what they're looking for from a product perspective, from an experience perspective, all of the above, from a food and beverage perspective, retail, et cetera. What that requires, though, is that we need to be able to attribute data to the fan, right? And so that fan attribution is a jump sometimes in some parts of sports. Now, with Digital ticketing, which really only took off with COVID prior to that, right? You could still walk in with a paper ticket, which was 
crazy to think about now, but you know, when you, when now with digital ticketing, that's definitely helped because now we're able to track ticketing behavior or use ticketing behavior to enhance our fans experience. Um, food and beverage is tough because mobile ordering is still a hit or miss in some arenas, right? So the more we can attribute individual behaviors to a fan and the more we can digitize the fan experience, I think that is a part of a challenge that not just the Bucks, but sports in general is trying to figure out on a regular cadence. The second piece that I think is also challenging, and this is maybe my cross-industry experience speaking, is in these other industries, there were really like mainstay, stapled organizations that held together, not just the data management side, but like the data tech and capability side of it. So you could partner with best in class and you could get a real full suite where you were like, all right, I don't have to look too far beyond this, or I just have to get a couple of extra plug and plays on my tech stack to move this forward. In sports, it feels like there's the ticketing platform, which tends to be the big piece, but everything else seems pretty fragmented. So it's a lot of, well, we need to partner with this company and they do this one thing for us. And then we have to go find another company and they do this one small thing for us. So before you know it, as a data leader, I have now extrapolated my data tech stack so large and so complex and then being able to integrate it all and find the individually attributed data to be able to make it an act change gets exponentially more difficult. So those are the kind of big challenges I see on the data side and the business side in sports right now. So that expansive side of your data stack causes a lot of technical challenges, but you also still have to engage those customers and even or re-engage those fans. How's your data and analytics help you get a better understanding of that fan base? And, and maybe how do you create a personalized experience for that fan? Yeah, we've spent a lot of focus, especially this last year and a half, to really bring this forward. There's a few things that are exciting that are really like we're on the cusp of implementing and taking it off uh, in a really strong way this season to test it. One is our fan archetyping. So what we've done is we went through a, a big project where we did surveys and focus groups and took lots of behavioral and attitudinal data. And we created seven archetypes of a Bucks fan. So it's really an attitudinal segment where we have some fun names, for example, right? It's like a diehard versus a, a family-friendly fan versus someone who's a big Bucks because they have lots of money to spend and they're huge Bucks fans. So we have seven fan archetypes that really help us understand who our fans are. And once we know that, what attitudes, what are their constraints, what really brings them to the game, we can now figure out what product and what experience they're looking for and therefore update our messaging, update our product offering, uh, our premium offerings, things to really align with that fan archetype. So that's kind of one piece. And that's relatively, again, something that the Bucks hadn't done before of having some of these attitudinal segmentations that were specific to the Bucks. So that I'm very excited about. We've just gotten it kind of at a good place. So we're going to start testing and launching this season. The second piece that we started doing actually last year, which was really helpful, was regular surveying. So we have a post-game and a post-event survey that goes out to anybody who comes to a game or an event advisor forum, a concert advisor forum. And we're really literally taking the data and every two weeks we're mining it, looking for key insights on what do people want? What are we doing well? What are we not doing well? And how can we change it? And so we have a cross-functional leadership team that meets every two weeks, goes through our findings and says, okay, what are we going to change tomorrow? Uh, we had a professional bull riding event. Ingress <laughs> was super long. Turned out everybody was wearing steel-toed boots and that was affecting ingress, right? 
quick thing. We figured it out by the time we had the next um, game, you know, next event going, we had updated the ingress to be able to accommodate for that. So little things like that, that we've done with surveying, I shouldn't say just little, but big and little things like that. And then the last piece that I think we're really trying to keep a much stronger pulse on our fans is something called the Fan Council, which we are launching this season. And it is a, a group of hand raisers that are saying they are avid Bucks fans and want to be effectively like our ad hoc focus group uh, or our ad hoc surveying um, population that we can go to for really niche questions. So it helps us keep a pulse on, hey, who are you paying attention to on the retail side? Who are you interested in seeing at a Pfizer Forum concert? Really kind of understanding even deeper level um, questions that we can ask them to get a good pulse on who our fan base is and what they're looking for. So those are just a few ways that we're trying to, again, to your point, right? Um, you have to really re-engage over and over again. It's not just a one-time acquisition, but um, it's multiple acquisitions at the same time. So, you know, you're doing all of these things as a smaller market team, aside from maybe winning a national championship, congratulations on that, or winning a title. How do you use data to leverage and increase your team's visibility in the marketplace? Yeah, I think it's a it's a tough question because I think the at the end of the day, what drives our popularity is going to be winning games. Like there is no question, it is easier to sell tickets when you have a winning team, right? So I think there's a couple of things that the Bucks have done. I don't know if it, I don't know that it's necessarily data oriented, but we definitely use data on the back end to continue to prove out the value and worth of what we've invested. One is you get a superstar player, right? So having an international superstar helps make the draw, period. Whether you're winning or not, winning obviously helps. But even without winning, to have Giannis's presence, I think, makes a big change. Two, I think this is, again, kudos to how the Bucks view things, right, is the impact on the community. I When I interviewed for this job, it's interesting that, you know, they were like, why do you want this job, right? And everyone, I think, prior to me had always said, and I see this now when I interview people, I love sports. I want to work in sports. And my answer was actually, you know, I love sports, but that's not why I'm here. The Milwaukee Bucks are one of the best brand ambassadors for the city of Milwaukee. They change how people perceive Milwaukee. And they do that not just in their geographical space and being, you know, such a large part of an entertainment hub, but they give back to the community. They take a stance. Uh, they made news during the bubble when they opted out of a game for social justice. So those are some of the things that the team itself has been doing to elevate our presence and not taking us out of that small market team mindset. Um, but I think we use data again to say, because we've done these things, because we have a superstar, because we have an amazing arena, we can draw a wide range of fans. Um, and so there's a ton of fans who come, obviously. We have more fans that don't ever set foot within the arena, right? Because they are fans of Giannis. They are fans of the Bucks. Their fans around the world. So being able to see some of their social uh, interactions with us is one other way where we're able to track, look at our reach. So, Sumathy, as I'm listening to this, I'm thinking, all right, what did the data tell you was the most surprising fan gear, maybe for a particular <sighs> segment that was that you were like, wow, I didn't know that was so popular. Are you allowed to share that? You know, it's not that I'm not allowed to share it. I think I might let you down a little bit in the answer because like it's largely Jersey sales. <laughs> no, Jersey sales. Yes, Jersey sales. And it's interesting. So one of the ways we use data is, you know, we get the schedule release for all the games that are coming up for the season. And one of the things that we as a data team is say, we look at the schedule and we tier every game. We say, if it's going to be a marquee game, a standard game, kind of really try to evaluate the game so that we know what we can go out to or what the demand might be for a single game ticket on a Ticketmaster.com or a whatever, any of our other outlets. 
And one of the ways we do it is usually actually using jersey sales. We try to see not only within our team, but which other jersey sales are out there that are peaking. So we know there's a demand for that player. So when that player comes into the arena, we know we have the potential to add um, to, you know, up the prices a little or meet the market where it's at for that. But I will say one of the interesting things on the retail front, I should say two things. There's these gold chains that for some reason, like everybody is super into. It's it's very gaudy, like gold chains with a big bucks uh, logo on it. I think the kids love it. And I think we've been amazed at how much that has tracked. So to answer your question in a fun way, but the second one is some of the retail collaborations that we've done has been really interesting. We've really tapped into local artists within Milwaukee who um, align very much with the um, the values of the Bucks and bringing them to market. Um, and it's really done an amazing job in terms of, again, where you see where people really use retail and merchandise to be a part of a broader community. Yeah. And I think that relates to your comment you made to Sunny about being a brand ambassador So I'm picturing all the benefits that you have of being a a winning team, a brand ambassador overlaid with what is still a tight labor market in data and analytics. Yes. 71% of organizations say that it is still difficult to find good talent. What has been your experience and how do you, how do you account for it? Yeah. So I, you're hitting on something that I feel like is a continuous struggle. Um, and you know, I think turnover is another part of that, right? Where you have really strong talent, they come in, they do a good job, they want to try to find something else, which is really, as I was telling you the story earlier, where effectively the team left, right? And it was down to one person. It was this real chance for me to build a team that was not only brought in great talent and brought in new capabilities for the organization, but it was also diverse. And I think that's the other piece also in data analytics that sometimes diversity can be a little, you have to be a little more committed, I think, to making some of that happen. And so what we did is we took a really broad stance on, look, you don't need to know the industry. Clearly, case in point, like I was coming from outside of the industry, I was looking for people who were really quantitative, who were really curious and who are willing to like be coachable and work hard. I tell my team all the time, all we have to do is promise and deliver. Like that's that's the bar, right? So if that was the case, we went really broad. We rebuilt from the ground up. One, we brought in um, two data scientists. One of our data scientists is a PhD in applied mathematics. He was at the Milwaukee Brewers, and we brought him in here to help lead us in an advanced analytics capacity. Two, we brought in a data scientist who was a biostatistician at the Medical College of Wisconsin. And she was like, I want to work in sports. And I was like, you're smart. Come on over. We will figure this out. She's been amazing. Wow. Um, We brought in another gentleman from um, a different MBA team, but we brought in a whole new capability with that, which is marketing market research capabilities. We didn't really have that in-house. So that was a great find. We found someone who used to be in ticket sales, decided he no longer wanted to do ticket sales and got his master's in data science brought him back in business intelligence. And so we really kind of diversified who we were looking for and how we were going to go about things. We brought someone from our IT department over. She was great there. We were like, hey, come help us manage our CRM system. So internal, external, inside the industry, outside of the industry. And how I recruit people really, right, is one, it's a small market. Two, it's an exciting brand. Like at the end of the day, it is a global brand and it is a small company which that means is now I'm no longer buried in the organization. I get frontline visibility to high-level leaders from literally week one. Everybody's collaborative. Everybody's willing to work together. So the opportunity for growth is huge. 
And we just, we have so many chances to use data because we're also in an organization that's really hungry for data and analytics. So you come to a place that wants you and that will help you grow and that you just, again, like you have opportunities that you just have to take advantage of. So those are kind of the ways that I've done things, at least in my, in building this current team. The other things that we've done is we've kind of started to build a pipeline of talent that we can tap into more readily. And that was something, again, that the Bucks hadn't necessarily done because it was a, it was a growing function for them. And so we launched uh, a hackathon, an analytics hackathon two years ago. And I'd love to tell you more about that because that's kind of one of the ways that we build this pipeline. Yeah. Yeah. Tell us about the hackathon. Okay. So we launched it two years ago. And that's one way, again, for us to build a talent pipeline related to data analytics. So we went out very organically, myself and the basketball analytics side, which I thought was unique for us that we partnered with the basketball analytics side. And we went to a, organically to a couple of universities that we had personal contacts at. My higher ed background came in handy at that point. Um, and we just, you know, we, we did a, a hackathon that lasted about a week. We had a prompt. We had some dummy data. We gave students a challenge that said, form your own teams of four to five people, answer this prompt, want to see what you come up with. And then we award, you know, the teams got awarded different prizes. The top winners were brought in for a game, got a chance to do a tour, got a chance to get a shout out on the Jumbotron during one of the games. Oh, nice. And it was a really fun way, right? And we we actually, one of our hackathon winners went on to become our intern the previous summer. And then this past year, we did a hackathon again. And this time we kind of made it even more exciting where the business side, you had to not only do the analytics hackathon, but you also had a selling elevator pitch component. And what was really fun about this is as we came up with this idea and we were into year two, we are now reaching 80 students over 12 universities. We have international schools who have now opted into this. And actually our partnerships team was able to sell this program as an asset. So now it brings in a six, helps to bring in a six figure deal over two years, where the Analytics Hackathon is one of their main sponsored um, events. So again, going from a cost center to a revenue generating programmatic team was really exciting to us. And again, a great way that's mutually beneficial. The, the company benefits because the company that's sponsoring us, they're looking for talent, we're looking for talent, and would love to, again, bring great talent to Milwaukee. Yeah, that sounds like so much goodness that I'm picturing all the aspiring data people listening there saying you're going to get inundated with resumes. Love it. And so <laughs> so I do want to come back to uh, something that I was um, talking with another data leader, full confession, in the football field for one of the yes. football teams, not, not the Packers, but be that as it may. And yet somehow I still collaborate with these other teams. Anyway, uh, so he was saying what was hard is he would get just even for one internship position, more than a thousand resumes, Correct. but they were data scientists who really didn't understand either from a business operations and, and then even from a player side, they didn't understand how to apply data and yet you talked about coachability yes. of these people that are coming from different domains. How did you crack that nut or how big yeah. a problem do you think this is? I think it's a huge problem. I, again, I echo your, uh, your friend's comments. For any open position, we will get thousands of applications um, from all ranges, right? I think there's a real, again, excitement and interest in working in sports. 
Um, we do see a lot of people who are very technically expertised and not necessarily communication sometimes is lacking. We see when we when we kind of jump on a phone call, we're not sure if they're able to build relationships. So I actually think of it as very much as the Venn diagram of if you are a quantitative person who can communicate and who can build relationships, you've got the secret sauce to continue to grow. And I think that's in large part what coachability is. So one of the ways that we kind of fight, like we kind of vet for this off the bat is we will have a case study in every interview process. And I will tell you, as a, I, I again, interviewed to be the vice president as the head of analytics, I had a case, which I, at this point in my career, was not expecting to get like a case study to get my job, but it was really great. It was a great opportunity for me. It really like sparked my curiosity even more, right? I was like, oh my gosh, this is fascinating. How about we look at it this way and this way and that way? And and so I think that's the piece that I'm able to then say, oh, you know, by the time they get to the case, we've had a few conversations and I can tell if they're communicators, if they can explain difficult concepts, but can they at a, you know, within a week get data and turn it around and create a story out of it and tell me what they're seeing? And then if there's enough curiosity, even if they get the answer wrong, I'm, I'm fine with that. What is your thought process? What questions did you ask yourself? Where were you like, oh man, if I had just this much more data, I could tell you an answer to this. And those are the kind of things that we are testing for or we are trying to find before we bring someone on and speak to that coachability perspective. Yeah, so that's so interesting. Um, and I think the other thing you referred to is working with your basketball leader or player yes. um, analytics manager is there much data that crosses over? Like, are you looking, maybe one player had a phenomenal game or a less than stellar performance. Are you looking at for the intersection of how that impacted other sales or operations? Yeah, that's an interesting question. Again, we I, I do feel like it's like a separation of church and state in some ways, actually, with the basketball okay. side, because again, that's the, the intellectual property of the team and how we kind of, it is our secret sauce. The ways that we tend to collaborate are on things like analytics, the hackathon in general, where we're, we're both jointly looking for great talent. But the other piece I will say that we've noticed maybe that stronger correlation, like one, if there are superstars or if there are certain members of our teams who are doing amazingly well, and we see the opportunity to capitalize on that, we will use a lot of that as marketing power for single game tickets, Right. So a particular player hits a milestone in their career. Like we will definitely use that to drive ticket sales on the single game prime, like market, um, that market space. So that's something that we do immediately. The second part is we've noticed this, especially in our, uh, our surveying, if players are not you know, unwell or have sat out for whatever reason, back to backs, any number of things where you know, a player doesn't play, but the fan has come to see it we've noticed a major drop in our satisfaction scores on those nights. If the team loses, we notice major drops in our satisfaction scores, right? Because it's really about the experience. And so while we don't necessarily use that direct information to change, um, you know, doesn't like drive our, our sales analytics, I think it really helps inform us and give us context to what we're going to see on the back end. So we do use that to understand like, all right, this is going to be, this part of the schedule is tough. We might see some players having to have more, need more rest. So we might see a drop in sales tickets around this point in the, in the season or this game, et cetera. So that's, that's kind of more of the overlap that we're able to do because really at the end of the day, whether the team wins or not, we still have to sell tickets. So that's really kind of the way we approach our business side is, 
How do we continue to drive business regardless of what happens on the court? Whatever good is happening on the court, how do we maximize on it? Yeah. And so it's, I'm thinking of the data. Yeah. And so you have player data, you have operations data, you shared with Sunny just how many applications come into play and something every industry deals with, but perhaps even more so in sports is this fragmentation of data. Because now I'm also picturing advertisers, your suppliers of gear and merchandising and food and beverages in the stadium and what have you. Tell us a little bit more, whatever you can share, about how you blend this data or tackle this challenge of fragmented data from a technology perspective. Yeah, I think we take it piecemeal, right? So what what I have told my team, right? What is our value proposition? And what are we uniquely positioned to do that no one else in the company can do? And it's simple. Our statement is no use and scale the data. That's it, right? So so in some places, we're still stuck at the no. Like, what do we need to know about this data? In some cases, it's how do we use it? In some cases, it's how do we scale it? Where we have the best understanding of our data and then therefore that connectability is a ticketing side. We are able to track and attribute that ticketing data. Then the next piece that we're able to kind of connect with it and try to, again, create a cohesive data tech stack or a, a bigger picture is the side that we're, we're focused on. It's that food and beverage side. So mm. the things that we've noticed, for example, with ticketing, the easier you can make it for the fan to kind of come through and get to their seat. We've also noticed that helps on the food and beverage side. So we've added some frictionless opportunities for the fan to buy food and beverage. So they're not missing any part of the game. So we've really partnered with particular tech companies that are offering really specific offerings um, around that and, and capabilities around that. But the, the goal is kind of constantly to find where we start and then how do we kind of create concentric circles around that where we can kind of create some scale. There are some pieces of our data that like we have, we haven't used it yet. We haven't fully uh, understood it and capitalized on it yet. And I think part of it is because of that fragmented tech stack or it's not attributed. It's very global. So then the actionability on it tends to get very difficult, right? And so I think that's where the patience pays off, where it's like, all right, we have this. We're starting to see some information. If we added one more piece or if we added one more attributable um, idea, how can we kind of start making this data that we have more actionable? That's the space that I'm kind of constantly evolving and thinking into of, all right, what else do we have? And how do we, again, not just go broad, but go really deep? Because once you have this, again, fragmented, complex uh, data tech stack, you're stuck in this broad scale versus getting the opportunity to go really deep. And so that's a space that we're, again, really trying to focus on this upcoming season. Where can we go really deep and get such a unique understanding that we crack the market on something? Yeah. Well, I think your expression of no use and scale, we're going to have to put that on a quote card. I love that. Sounds great. It reminds me of something that another leader in the space, Katia Walsh, she had been at Levi Strauss. She's now at Harvard, actually. Oh, and right. she talks about um, think big, start small, but scale fast. Yes. And so I like that idea of scaling data. Spot on. Yeah. Well, Simothy, you couldn't have teed it up better. You've accomplished so much. But now we're going to have Sunny discuss a little bit with you. What's next? What does the future look like? Yeah. Yeah. So what is next? And, and one of the things I thought was interesting was, how you've done some really innovative things on recruiting, some innovative ways to use ticketing and, and other data to, you know, make that fan experience even better. 
How do you identify new areas in which you can use data, insights, and actions that maybe drive innovation within your organization or even within the NBA? Yeah, I think this is something that the NBA has actually has done a great job and has continued to do a great job of, right? So at the end of the day, it's all about the fan, right? Which we are like any other company. Um, we are a sales company, a marketing company, and a data and tech company. That's every company has those three things, right? So to us, it's again, it's about the fan. And what are ways we can, again, make the fans entire experience so easy and seamless that they are there and they want to come to a game regularly. It's, you know, the model of, of a season ticket holder member is 43 home games, right? So how can you make each of those 43 times so wonderfully easy um, to come to and enjoy and then leave? So when I think about that, some of the ideas that we've talked about and curious about are, you know, is there like a centralized ticket where we not only have the arena, but we have Pfizer Forum in general, right? There's maybe a ticket that you come into one part, but it, it works everywhere. You can go to any part of, of Pfizer Forum or the Deer District and kind of gives you a lot more access, right? So there's some of these innovative ways where we think about how do we kind of expand the fans' experience to be not just in the arena, but when they're in the arena, how do we make it super easy? And then if they're in other parts alongside the arena, any of this other part of the entertainment um, area, how do we continue to make that easy in, a, in, a, in part of the entire experience? Um, that's one part. The second thing I think about just really quickly on um, on kind of innovating in this space, and again, where I think the league has done a great job, right, is that there are global fans for the NBA. NBA has grown globally so much in the last couple of years. So as I said, there will be lots of fans who come there will be more fans who never set foot in the arena. So how do you engage them? What are ways to drive engagement beyond the actual experience of coming to a game? What are those digital experiences, for example? What are those experiences of watching the game, connecting with players? So that's a whole space that I think we will only continue to see grow and mature over the next several years. Um, not just in the NBA, but, but in, in any sports team, right? Like it's it's here to stay. The power of sport is so uh, contagious. So how do we capitalize on that um, beyond just the, the immediate city? So, you know, you also talked about, your, you know, your hiring practices and the diversity that you described in hiring. I thought that was really interesting. And the Bucks are known for their commitment to racial equality. How do you ensure that data contributes to that overarching broader mission that the Bucks have for being uh, socially conscious. I think that what we do a really great job at the organization is of the partners that we're looking at, of the, the companies that we're involved with, there is a high focus within the organization to have a pulse on uh, values and how they align and kind of, um, even if there might be some discord, how do we kind of work beneficially to affect good, positive change? And so I don't know that our our data necessarily directly impacts the enterprise-wide, but I will say what I appreciated greatly was that when I was building our data team, there was an emphasis on that and making sure that who else we were hiring or if we were going to go out to the to, to find new talent, we were given kind of like the time and space to find and recruit that diverse talent. So I think each individual leader within the organization takes that on. Uh, to be able to build, honestly, a company that, that looks like Milwaukee, which is really, really fun to come to work and see your city represented in your company. Sumathi, so, that was great. Let's do uh, a pivot to the lightning round. Sounds great. Okay, Sumathi, so, when you're not having fun with data and basketball, what are you doing? <laughs> 
Uh, I am watching movies with my family. We love movies. I feel like there's been so much fun movies coming out. We saw Barbie. It was amazing. We're looking forward to seeing Oppenheimer. I can't wait to see Mission Impossible and watch Tom Cruise run again. I, it's just, it's what we do. We love movies. If you were um, new head coach or, or no, let's make it the co-owners, the co-owners, um, Mr. and Mrs. Haslam, what would you tell the data team? Yeah. So we've got some new co-owners, the, the Haslams, and then we also have Wes Edens and Jamie Dinans. We have three ownership kind of entities, uh, majority owners. And so if, the, if those three folks or those three entities came to me and asked, said, what, if I was them and what I would tell the data team, um, I think there's one, there's two things. One, I would like them to say, learn to sell. Um, I think one of the things that data and analytics folks don't get enough opportunity to do is to, to learn to sell, not just storytell, but hey, how are we constantly finding that mutually beneficial value that we can articulate? So that'd be one piece. What I would really want them to say to me too is go deep, like take your time, go deep instead of just surface you know, level, trying to find the, the quickest answer. Um, go really deep and take your time to find like an amazing new thing. Fabulous advice. And even that you have your students, your hackathon participants do an elevator pitch. Yes. That was something I used to teach people in the Data Warehousing Institute classes 10, 15 years ago. Yeah. And yet it is absolutely timeless. All right. Fill in the blank. Data is? A part of every company. One word to describe chat GPT. Oh, interesting. Any particular books or mentors or thought leaders that have inspired you throughout your career? Yeah, I, you know, I've had several mentors. I've been really lucky to have them both um, at various jobs before um, and thought leaders. But I, I would say I've been really into podcasts more than books. So it's going to show a little bit about me. I really enjoy, for example, the Data Chief podcast. But some of the, the podcasts that I've been really listening to that kind of help in this space are um, some of the HBR podcasts. There's an HBR for women at work. And then there's been the, I think it's like Coaching True Leaders. So those have been spaces that I've been really trying to spend some time to learn more about not just being a data person, but really about kind of building my entire portfolio of capabilities. Yeah. Well, thank you for being a listener and a guest. We, we of yes. course, love that. Yes. <laughs> How about, is there a data leader that you most like to hear from on the data chief? Yeah, I would love to learn more. I'm fascinated by um, the auto industry and electric vehicles. So I would love to hear from a data leader in that space. And um, I found the Netflix one really fascinating. Again, like I'm really curious about some of these companies that are really at the forefront of, of that individual, like direct-to-consumer um, interactions. But um, the EV space would be really fascinating. And then I'm not sure that this is one person, but I'd be really curious to meet the CDO who turns into CEO. Like, I want to know what that pathway looks like and would love to kind of see what steps they take to not be the data person, but the company person. So that would be my second challenge to you all to find CDO turned CEO. Yeah. So as of right now, so I'll just say to any listeners, if you've made that leap, please message me. Please. But one, I will have to give a shout out um, that has made this leap was the CDO from Rakuten. Um, so oh. he has made, made that leap. Love so it. go back and, and listen to that one for sure. But I will. many leaders on the move. It's great. Well, Sumathi, it's been great sharing your joy of data, of, of the box and 
the innovation that you've already brought in such a short time. We always like to end with one of two questions. You can choose depending on the mood you're in in the moment. Okay. Either what are you most grateful for, perhaps beyond the obvious, of course, um, family and health, or something that has just totally made you laugh out loud recently? Yeah, I will share something that's made me laugh out loud continuously. It's an Instagram page I follow. So it's about a dog that's called Noodles. And this dog simulates various times in the office. The production value on this Instagram page is phenomenal. The side eye this dog gives you, the hairstyles, the glasses that matches the outfits, and just like the snarky comments. I think she, the dog signs off every email as irrevocably salty, which I just love. Oh. So it's been, it's such a joyous like Instagram page. And I just, I just love dogs too. So it's been really fun to watch that one. So if you need a good laugh, big fan. Okay. You've inspired me to create an yes. Instagram account. I don't know. Sunny, are you already there? I am not there yet, but I'm going to go check it out. Please do. Noodles. So cute. Got it. Sumathi, thank you so much for being on The Data Chief. Thank you for having me. really appreciate it. Thank you for tuning in to another episode of The Data Chief. To learn more about today's guest, recommend a future guest, or hear more of the show, head over to thedatachief.com. If you have questions for Cindy or comments about the episode, give her a shout by dropping your thoughts on LinkedIn and tagging Cindy Housen. And if you haven't already, be sure to subscribe, rate, and review the show. Every review helps more people discover the podcast and helps us improve our content. The Data Chief is presented by our friends at ThoughtSpot, the modern analytics cloud company. ThoughtSpot makes it easy for anyone to analyze your company's data with search and AI. Business people at companies like Verizon, CVS, Amazon, Afterpay, OpenTable, and T-Mobile use ThoughtSpot to quickly uncover new insights and turn them into action. And you can learn more at ThoughtSpot.com.